Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Katherine Miller, the founder of the Miller Law Group and the director of the Center for Understanding and Conflict. I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Monique Hahnemann. She's the author of The High Road Has Less Traffic, Honest Advice on the Path Through Love and Divorce. And Monique, I'm going to read a little bit of your bio here because I really love it. It says, Monique is not a divorce attorney, nor a clinical psychologist or a marriage therapist, just a regular person like you, having experienced the complexities of love, marriage, divorce, parenting, dating, remarriage, and everything in between. Welcome, Monique. It's really a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So tell me about your background. What led you to be in the place to write this book, which is this fantastic title, The High Road Has Less Traffic? Thank you. So I was never a writer, and I never had any dreams or aspirations to write a book. It sort of happened. But as it goes, as I found myself going through my own divorce many years ago, my phone started ringing. People would call me, hey, I'm a friend, I'm a friend of a friend, or so-and-so gave me your number. And they would start asking me all sorts of questions about how I was navigating through my own divorce. And it became very frequent and very regular. And months and months into this, I found myself out at a conference in California and as, you know, happens at these women conferences, I was talking to another person, and this was a business conference, had nothing to do with divorce or being an author or anything. And I was sort of explaining my story, my background, and, you know, I was going through a divorce, and people were calling me, asking for advice. And this woman said to me, well, you should write a book. And I sort of shrugged it off and laughed. But literally that night, back up in my hotel room, I got up my laptop, and I just started outlining chapters of what I was telling people when they called me. And I stayed up till the wee hours of the morning and had, I don't know, 22 chapters outlined before I finally shut the laptop last that night, and it evolved from there. And so it was never intentional. It just sort of happened, and the words just sort of flew out of my mouth and onto the paper. It's really interesting that you say that because I always find that my clients, and particularly my women clients, but not necessarily only women, are for a period of time of about two years around their divorce are like a font of information for other people. Because somehow or other, in that period of time, people know that you're going through it, it's difficult, and other people who are feeling worried or ashamed or vulnerable kind of gravitate to someone else who they think might be a a step ahead of the process or have a little bit more information than they do. And I think that's what you're describing. That's exactly right. It's scary. If you haven't been through it, it's scary. If you've been through it already, it's still scary because it's an unknown and just things like, how do I find an attorney? Or what's this thing called collaborative that you wrote about in the book? Or how do we tell our children? Or I don't know how to put a budget together. And I don't know what this is going to mean for me financially. Or how do I start dating? I mean, there's just so many unknowns that I think it is nice. And I agree with you. Women, we tend to look for support and advice from people that have been there, done that. We like to have that sense of I'm not alone. And there's others that have been through this and have have navigated it very successfully. And so let me learn from them. Yeah, I think that one of the things that most scares people about divorce, men and women, is isolation. 
you know, a sense of we were a family and now I'm alone. And shame combined with that feels like, well, I'm the only person. I've had so many clients in my office say, well, there's no one else in my community that's ever been divorced. And I'm like, not true. (laughs) You know, I personally, you know, I can't say who they are, but I personally know because I've had other clients who live, you know, on your block. So it's just one of those things that people feel so mixed about, but really desperate, desperate for information and for support. And the book, let's talk about The High Road Has Less Traffic and what you mean by that. Yeah, so I wrote the book and I had this whole sort of manuscript and it still didn't have a title. And I was just trying to figure out, you know, what am I trying to say? And I happened to be at another business meeting and I was literally doodling on the notebook in front of me and I was just writing things and I wrote The High Road because that's what I would infer and talk about in the book is that you've got to step outside of yourself and your own anger and your own emotion and your own response to the divorce. And you've got to take that high road. And what does that mean? It means doing what's right by yourself. It's doing what's right by your children or your family, or your friends, or that, that extended ripple effect of people that are impacted by the divorce. And so as I started coming up with this vision in my mind this day, I said, the high road, the high road has less traffic. There's less traffic on the high road because frankly, fewer people seem to take the high road because we get caught up in that anger and that negativity and that I'm never going to forgive and that I'm mad and, and, you know, watch me squander all the money. There'll be nothing left to divide. And, you know, you see that just start to snowball. And so the name of the first book was The High Road Has Less Traffic. The second book, which we can talk about later, was The High Road Has Less Traffic and a Better View because the view from up there is so much nicer. So it just sort of stuck that day as I was doodling on a piece of paper. And and that image is what I'm trying to convey of taking that high road and making the next best decision that's not always the easiest decision. And frankly, sometimes it can in the moment feel more difficult, but in the long run is the right one to make. You know, that's really a message that I am really trying to get out there with the show and with my practice and with my own writing also. And it can feel a little contrary to sort of one's instinct, right? This expression, nice guys finish last, that somehow doing the right thing is putting yourself at a disadvantage. It's compromising what you really want. But I actually think, and I think you think, that that's not true, that in fact, it's quite the contrary. It's so the contrary. I am such a strong believer that it's not nice guys finish last. It's not you become a doormat and let people walk all over you when you find forgiveness or there's nothing about being kind and respectful and nice and taking the high road that says you're a doormat, that you're not holding other people accountable. If anything, and what I tell people is it removes a lot of that negative emotion out of it. And quite frankly, I think put me in a smarter place and many others that I've seen take the high road because you're operating from a place of perhaps more logic and less emotion, which can be very helpful. I think you would agree. I think so. I think that it's really interesting, the idea of emotion, because the way we feel about things really impacts what we think about them. I mean, that's what the brain research shows, right? Right. But to be in a place where you really have a chance to sort of think it through and allow yourself to really experience the feelings all the way through to a place where you can make a proactive, smart decision that works for yourself and your family rather than kind of reactive aggressiveness. Yeah, in the moment, aggressiveness. Exactly. Exactly. Again, that high road, like looking ahead, I mean, my thing kept being, you know, what's the the right thing for my children, right? And in the moment, it might be yelling, they're screaming, how could you do that? Again, squandering the money. I mean, there's just so many emotional responses to all that. But if you're able to step back and look at, okay, but what impact does that have 
a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, and you have the wherewithal to sort of have that vision, you can see that the emotion may feel good in the moment, but it's not the right thing in the long term. I mean, I've seen couples get so mad and angry and emotional with each other that they waste every penny they have. And yeah, it hurts them, but it also hurts their kids. Or I've seen divorcing couples say the most hurtful and nasty things and broadcast it on social media. And I mean, just share with the kids things that the kids don't really need to know. Well, you can never undo that. And that's always there. And, and you know what? In the future, it doesn't really matter. But now your kids know all that and have heard all that. And I've had to live with all that. So yeah, the instant gratification of the emotion is not always the right answer. It probably never is. Exactly. Which is why I love the process that, that we leverage and I encourage other people to use it so often and, you know, the collaborative process or, you know, a more traditional mediation process, but something that keeps people talking and keeps people focused on, let's come up with a solution as opposed to let's throw more kerosene on the fire and see how big we can build this flame. This is Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm talking to you on WOVOX 1460 AM. We're here alternate Wednesdays from 5 to 5.30, and we're also available as a podcast on my website, www.westchesterfamilylaw.com, and on iTunes and SoundCloud. We're talking today with Monique Hahnemann, the author of The High Road Has Less Traffic, well, the two books, High Road Has Less Traffic, and also The High Road Has Less Traffic and a Better View. We're talking about the divorce process and doing what's best for yourself and your family um, by doing right by them and yourself. And Monique, you went through a collaborative divorce, right? That's correct. I did, yes. And, you know, we rarely get a chance to actually talk with people who've been through the process. Can you tell us about your experiences as a client going through the process? Yeah. Absolutely. I am a huge proponent of the collaborative process. It worked for me. I've seen it work for others, and I've seen a more traditional litigation divorce implode in so many other people. So I encourage people all the time, you know, if you can start with collaborative and try to make that work, it's truly in the best interest. And what I loved about it was we still both had our own attorney, but it was, you know, a collaboratively trained and certified attorney. The ground rules were set around, we're going to work together to do what's best for the family. It wasn't going to turn nasty fighting, discovery and subpoenas and interrogatories. I mean, we got rid of a lot of that. And at the end of the day, right, if you can sit down and have a conversation, as tough as those were, but have a conversation and move yourself towards the end of the day, you want to be divorced. And there's two things you need to figure out. If there's children involved, you need to figure out a parenting plan and you need to figure out how you're dividing your assets, right? Those two things. And so what we found was working with our collaborative attorneys and working with our family coach, those four people. And then the fifth player in ours was the financial neutral. So my ex-husband and I each had an attorney collaboratively trained, each had a family coach and used our financial neutral. And that team worked with us to get us to a a quick and much less damaging resolution to the parenting plan and dividing up the financial assets. And we did so with everyone knowing from day one that we were going to work together towards what was the best interest of our family. Now, that's not to say there's still not emotion and hurt feeling and anger and all that stuff that you see in most any divorce. There was, but there was something about that process that just moved it along and nobody was encouraging the fueling of the fire, right? They were encouraging the dialogue to get us to where we needed to be. It's so interesting what you're saying, because I think that sometimes people enter the collaborative process and they think somehow it's going to be not 
painful. And of painful. course, <laughs> it's very painful because yeah. you're talking about divorce. And, Still a divorce. Right, yeah. exactly. And there are going to be hurt feelings and there are going to be feelings of betrayal and anger and, and all of that sort of stuff as the untangling, emotional untangling happens. But I think that you're right that without the, well, I think what's great about your experience is that you've had the opportunity to talk to so many people going through so many different kinds of divorce processes that to see the damage of some other alternatives gives you some additional perspective. Absolutely. Like I said, I'm such a proponent. I, I talk up collaborative whenever I can because it worked for me. Like I can sit here and say it worked. And to your point, I can compare it to so many more litigious traditional divorces that I've seen. In fact, I, there's two different women that I've been talking to this week who are, well, one is going through a very nasty litigious divorce and the other is, is trying a much more collaborative process. And, and even the comparison of just talking to both of them yesterday, in fact, and seeing the compare and contrast between them was yet another reminder of why can't people just sit down and talk? It's not going to be all sunshine and roses. It's not going to be all of a sudden kumbaya. We love one another. It's still a divorce, but it's so much better than just throwing fuel on the flame and just stoking that and seeing how much bigger you can make the mess. It's a mess already. You're getting divorced. Why make it a bigger mess? Let me ask you that question. Why do you think people can't? Oh, because I think their emotions get involved. I think there, be, there becomes a sense of, yes, but he did this to me or yes, but she did that to me and I'm going to show her and I'm going to prove this to that. I mean, this one I was dealing with yesterday, there was some adultery involved. So, you know, I'm going to subpoena the other parties involved and I'm going to submit interrogatories with all sorts of questions about who they did what with when, where, why and how and and we're going to get every phone record and every credit card record. And, and, and you know, as they're starting to talk, the you could just hear the emotion and the volume and the energy that was being pushed into all that. And, oh, by the way, the cost that it's taking to do all of that. And I asked, I said, at the end of the day, you're going to spend a lot of money that you're not going to necessarily recoup. And to what end game? To prove something you already know? You want to get divorced anyway at this point, so work towards successful resolution of the divorce, not work towards proving yourself right. But I think a lot of people have a hard time doing that. So, Monique Kahneman, what would be your advice to someone who came to you and said, you know, I'm really struggling. I feel betrayed. I feel that somehow or other he or she needs to account for this. And at the same time, I read your book and I would really like to take the high road. What can I do yeah. to kind of get myself to a place where I can actually make that happen? Yeah, I ask them what their end game is. At the end of the day, what is it that you want? Some people say, I still want to be married to this person. Then I say, okay, go find counseling and marriage therapy. And does, does the other partner want to work towards it, right? Other people, and I think this is where you're getting at, they, at this point, they want to be divorced and they want to take the other person down in the process. And I say, well, hold on, let's focus on that first point. At the end of the day, you want to be divorced. And I'm assuming you want to be divorced without losing all of your assets in the process. So there's, there's people that have a financial bend to it or losing the respect of your family and friends in the process, right? There's some people that that resonates with more clearly. So I try to get at what is your end game and what's the best road for you to get there. And when I take them through that, very few people can then answer honestly and truly that the best way to get to their end game is 
by adding kerosene, right? Because it's either a financial thing for them. Well, I don't want to waste all my money on lawyers or there's more of that relational respect thing that they don't want to lose. Now, that's not everyone. There's some people that truly do want to, you know, burn down the entire village in the process. But I think you would agree those tend to be few and fewer. far between. Yeah. Really. Yes. Thank really. goodness, right? Yes, I think. <laughs> I think that that's right. And I think that, you know, somehow or other, there's a misconception in some people that the law really is interested in that kind of emotional justice or even in the facts that led to the divorce, because at least in New York and in most states, they're really kind of irrelevant, even exactly. to the point of quite egregious, you know, what we would might yes. think of as morally wrong or yes. socially yes. and unacceptable. They seem to think that that is going to make a difference and that it's incredibly appalling to some people that it doesn't. It's so funny that you say that. I've had that same conversation countless, countless times. Like, the judge doesn't care. The judge doesn't care that he did that or that she did that. The judge really doesn't care because you know what? The judge is like, yep, that's the 589th person this month that had, had an that affair. To them. Yep, sign <laughs> or whatever. The document, move on. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So, and they're like, yes, but, but when it's happening to you, right, but it's me, but how, I mean, I remember thinking like, how, but how, no, this isn't right. But, and I've had, a, nobody, nobody cared. Like you care and I get you care and, and your mom probably cares, but like no one else in the scheme of things, it doesn't matter. And it's not going to make that big a difference. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, what do you want? You want to get you to your divorce. You want to get your financial assets divided up as fairly and equitably as possible. And you want to make sure that you know, your kids are, the parenting plan is what feels right for all involved and your kids are taken care of if there's, you know, if there's kids involved. This is Dialogue on Divorce. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm talking today with Monique Honeman, the author of The High Road Has Less Traffic and The High Road Has Less Traffic and A Better View. And Monique, could you give contact information or more information about your book to people who might be interested? Absolutely. So um, my website is highroadlesstraffic.com. So four words, High Road Less Traffic. The books are available there or, of course, on Amazon in print. And I've also got them on all the, the e-platforms as e-books as well. Again, High Road Has Less Traffic is the first book. And Less Traffic and a Better View is the second book. And on my website, I also do a lot of writing for eHarmony and, and HuffPost. And so all my blog and articles are up on the website as well. Monique, what is your professional background? I actually work in the field of human resources. I'm, like I said, like you said in my intro, I'm not a divorce lawyer. I did go to law school, but actually in a business context, and I've never practiced law a day in my life. It was something that my employer supported a lot of HR people doing back in the day. And But my work experience is in human resources. Well, that makes a lot of sense, actually. It sounds like you have a real sort of insight into people and right. what it is that makes them tick and motivates them to move in particular directions. Yeah, I th I'm sure that where I come from certainly helped in all of this as well. Absolutely. And this is a little bit of a personal question, but since you wrote a book about your that included your own experiences, what do you think is the most important personal experience that you share with people that helps them understand the message that you have? So the platform that I find myself talking to a lot is the power of forgiveness. Right. So mm -hmm. there's like we talked about getting to the financial, you know, assets, you know, the parenting plan. And those are very those are tactical. But I have found time and time again, when someone can find forgiveness and move on is when they're able to sort of rise above this and take that high road and and truly do what's right. And I have a lot of people that struggle with that concept, but because they enjoy 
rehashing and reliving what happened to them. And they get this movie reel that plays over and over in their head and they go through the details and they remember at, you know, 205, the phone rang and then at 209, this happened. And, you know, they can walk you back through and they play that movie reel over and over and over in their head. And what happens is they get stuck there and then it's the negativity and the emotion and, and they can never move ahead. And one, it doesn't help you move ahead in your divorce. And post-divorce, I see so many people that are still the victims of, well, if that hadn't happened and if she hadn't done that or if he hadn't done that and they're still stuck there. So I find a lot of time talking about the power of forgiveness. Again, it doesn't, forgiving doesn't make your doormat. I had people say to me in my divorce, like, well, you can't forgive him. Of course I can. It doesn't mean I'm excusing the behavior. It doesn't mean I'm, there's not going to be accountability or consequences. It just means I'm not going to wake up every day stuck reliving all that negativity, but rather I'm going to look, start looking forward and moving forward as opposed to being stuck. And so that's the biggest piece of personal advice I can give someone. It's just the power that comes over you. And of course, to me, it presented in the context of divorce, but that message of forgiveness, I mean, we've all been wronged by people, divorced or not, right? Friends or family members that we don't speak to for one reason or another. And just this power that comes over you when you're able to say, and you don't have to say it to the person, but when you're able to say to yourself, I forgive that, doesn't mean they have to ask for it, doesn't mean they have to want it, doesn't even mean they have to know that you've forgiven them, but it frees you up. You know, I think that's so powerful. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that there's a real misconception between forgiveness and excusing, because oftentimes when people say, I'm sorry that, you know, I did such and such, the other person might say, and it's very common, it's okay. Well, it may not be okay, right? You could say, I forgive you, means I can still hold you accountable, right? There may still be consequences. It doesn't mean all is, you know, as if it it never happened, right? Right. Like there's a whole uh, repairing process that if if people are going to really work this way. And Janice Abrams Spring has written a lot about acceptance versus forgiveness and what what the difference is. But I think what you're talking about is a real sort of internal responsibility. Am I going to live my life around the hurt and blame you for it? Or am I going to move on in my life and take responsibility for my future? Right. I had that negative movie reel playing over and over and over in my head. And I had revenge and I had plotting. And I had, when I described that person just now, I was describing me. I mean, I I was bitter and I was angry. And I had an epiphany of one day of, wait a minute, this is only hurting me, right? The other person that you haven't forgiven has no idea that you're playing this movie reel over and over in your head. No idea at all. But I did and I felt it. And so it was a very transforming moment where I was like, wait, this is not how I want to be. And some pretty immediate results around just finding some peace around that. Again, didn't require anyone else asking for, knowing, or accepting. It just had me in my head saying, you know what? I'm not going to let this drive me crazy anymore. I'm going to find forgiveness and move on. Really? It had nothing to do with him. Sorry. Exactly. It had nothing to do with him. was really all about you. Exactly. Forgiveness is unilateral. has nothing to do with the other person. So in our last minutes, if one of our listeners is considering divorce or just starting the process, what would be your one piece of advice for that person? To ask themselves how they would define taking the high road, what it looks like to take the high road, you know, taking a step back from the emotion that is involved at that very beginning stages of divorce, to take a step back and say, I heard about this high road thing and and what does that look like to me? And then do all they can to take that path recognizing that it may be two steps forward one day and two and a half back the next, 
But as long as they're trending towards that and moving in that direction, they'll find that. That would be my advice. I think that is actually very good advice. And to add to it, to sort of get some help to think that through in a way uh, that whether it's a lawyer or a therapist and interview enough people to feel like you really know what you know, what you need to know in order to move forward. Exactly. Monique Kahneman, it's been my pleasure to have you as our guest on Dialogue on Divorce. Uh, I really recommend your book, The High Road, Less Traffic. It's, It's really terrific. Thanks again. Thank you so much for having me.